Hello and welcome to Cutting the Ball in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hey. Today we're going to talk about demonic possession, or certainly the Catholic version of demonic possession. Okay. And if you are going to die during an exorcism, it's probably going to be during a Catholic one. Why? Why? They tend to have this thing where they starve you and don't give you any water. Or beat you. Lovely. Yeah. Sounds about right from them, doesn't it? Well, they're a bunch of kiddie fiddling <laughs> fucks, Mike, that's why. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. It's the biggest paedophile organisation on the fucking planet. I just thought that was a South Park episode, just, <coughs> just being South Park. Oh, you mean when they've got all the naked kids on leashes, <laughs> having the bishops <laughs> meeting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. So fucking wrong, in it? Dirty bastards. Before I get into that, and I think I'm not wrong in saying we're going to have this as a two-parter, because there's quite a lot to it. There's, there's no shortage of exorcism stories, let's put it that way, and most of them you may have heard. We're going to go through one that was turned into a film later on. The Exorcist by any chance? Actually, technically two, then. <laughs> Yeah, they're scary, aren't they? They are. They're a bit scary, they're a bit creepy, they're a bit weird. If there is truth behind it, and what they've accounted is God's honest truth kind of thing, then fuck yeah, it's scary. If it's all just kind of made up bullshit to, like, making it worse than it is, and it's just somebody with mental illness, then... Or hyper-religiosity. What? Hyper-religiosity. Okay. When you're so damn religious, you kind of want this shit to happen to you because it proves your faith. Right. Oh. Is this a bit like where you get these fucking crazy healers in America that, like, they have these big, massive audiences and they're like, come up and I'll touch you with the power of God and you will fall down. And they, and they all You mean the evangelicals? Yeah, <laughs> and they touch them on the head and they all fall down and start yeah. having fits on the floor. Is that what that would be then? No, rate? most of those people are paid chills. Well, <laughs> yes. But yes, in, in a way, you... you if it, they're not a paid show, well, I'll guarantee you they won't be cured after, but they'll certainly think they might be for a bit. The placebo yeah. effect, I guess. Yeah. And it's like the fascist evangelicals in the government that want to bring on the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those ones. People like Mike Pence, yeah. he never came out and said it as much. He was certainly part of that organisation that's like we don't actually care if the planet survives because we're all going to go to heaven fuck the rest of you yeah. kind of you that's why they celebrated it when Trump made Jerusalem capital of Israel because mm. apparently that's a sign of the end times he recognised it as the capital of Israel didn't he yeah. yeah but then again if you're looking at revelations and we've talked about this previously then that's actually bullshit and they're believing in a book that's nothing to do with the bible they got mixed up. Well, first, let's thank some new returning listeners. We've got some, some new ones this week, definitely. Where shall I start? Garden Grove in California, Guatemala City, Guatemala. Singapore in Singapore. Tehran in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Mm. He keeps coming back, hasn't he or she? Hasn't been stoned to death yet for listening to us. Welcome back. Welcome yes. back. Tijuana in Mexico, where I'm told you can go watch a donkey sex show. Oh, nasty. Two donkeys? No, a donkey and a woman. Oh. Well, worse is a donkey and a man, which are, are kind of sinning clerks too. Yeah. <laughs> in Dubai, there's Seattle, Washington, Perth in Australia, London, UK, Liverpool in the United Kingdom, New York City, New York, Bangalore in India, oh god, one in Poland. Hold on, come on. 
Make an effort now. Hubizal. I'd, I'd have thought the H would be silent. Rubizov. Rubizov. Because these W's of these, Rubizov, yeah, maybe? Probably maybe. closer. Yeah. <laughs> I have to stop and away. I have to stop and think about Polish pronunciation. <laughs> I'm a Polish girlfriend and not much of it rubbed off on me. Boardman, Oregon, Abu Dubai, Abu Dhabi even, in the United Arab Emirates. Couple of them this week, fair play. Must be people already, I'm guessing. Some slave labourer building the stadiums. That's Qatar. <laughs> Ruslip in the UK, Guadalajara, Spain, and Ashburn, Virginia. Hi Ashburn. Presumably our Argentina <laughs> listeners too busy being crying about the Falklands this week. <laughs> 40th anniversary, isn't it, yeah. this week? Yeah. <laughs> right, let's talk about demonic possession and move off that tinderbox of political debate that I nearly set up. Is that noise? It's just the heating, expanding the pipes. Oh, I don't even ever heard that in here. Well, it's either that or, or Mike's got the like, most flat he's possessed. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, noisy above you, and then I was thinking, hold on, no, this, <laughs> this is the top floor, yeah. can't be that. Yeah. Just the talk of dynamic, dynamic, demonic <laughs> possessions fucking bringing on the demons. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know if the listener caught it, but you can hear the pipes expanding when the central heating comes on. It's gone fucking cold in England again, even though we're in April. Yeah. Yeah. Thermals have come back on. Too bad it is. Mine haven't got off yet. <laughs> Mine went off the other week, last week. Yeah, for about three minutes. Yeah, I cracked out the sandals for two days yeah. last week. So according to um, catholiceducation.org... Oh, the most reliable source ever, I'd imagine. The devil and his demons can indeed possess an individual. The devil can as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he takes his own time out to yeah. Yeah. possess people himself. He's got, I know he's got a busy schedule, but he does fit it in. Fair enough. He'll want, he'll want to walk among us, won't he? Yeah, sometimes it's he wants a holiday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he wants to put on a different suit and walk around in his do, new why suit. Why would he do that? He's the devil. Why not? Because he can just in, incarnate himself. He's banished, isn't he? He's banished to hell. Human? That's our point, wasn't it? Wasn't he banished to hell? Mm-hmm. Well, in 2,000 years, I'm sure he's found himself a way out so far. Well, of course, haven't you seen Lucifer, the TV show? Well, he's that's, in, well, that's what I was he's in Los Angeles solving crimes. Constantine. Well, Constantine. Yeah, well, either way. Boring-ass film, that was. It wasn't great. Was I tried it? watching it again recently. It's okay. I don't mind it. Constantine's actually better in the DC animated universe, mm. where he's a bit more powerful. Christ also empowered the apostles to cast out demons in his name, which I kind of like. It's a nice perk of hanging around with Jesus, isn't it? Well, yeah. Could give me the water into wine thing, though. I prefer that. (laughs) And free fish. And the free fish. Although people may stop hanging around you if you have too much free fish. Mm. Yeah. The practice of exorcism is recorded in the writings of the early church fathers, including St. Justin, who was martyred in... uh, 165? That's when he died, I think. Died? Well, he said martyred there. Uh. He's martyr. Tertullian, who died in 230, and St. Cyril of Jerusalem, who died in 386, some assume that's all AD. Over the course of the centuries, the church has well-documented cases of possession and exorcism, including the one which was the basis of the original Exorcist movie. Although neither Hollywood nor the book was faithful to the facts. And what are the facts, Catholicism? <laughs> what are the facts? Then Father Jordan Oman, a noted professor of spiritual theology, offers the following definition of demonic possession. 
This is diabolical. I can't say, read that word without pronouncing it like that. <laughs> Possession is a phenomenon in which the devil invades the body of a living person and moves the faculties and organs as if he were manipulating a body of his own. The devil truly resides within the body of the unfortunate victim and he operates in it and treats it as his own property. And those who suffer this despotic invasion are said to be possessed. End the quote there. However, the soul cannot be possessed. That remains free. Mm. So it's a state of suspended animation when they're taken over by the demon. Okay. So this guy says, anyway. Mm. Well, obviously. Know, he obviously really believes this. I don't, so I'm going to differ with him. Now, in determining whether a person is possessed by the devil or his demons, the church would first make sure he underwent thorough physical and psychiatric examinations. Eliminating these natural causes, church officials would seek other signs, unexplainable physical phenomena such as levitation or the uncaused movement of objects, displaying strength that surpasses one's condition, the knowledge and usage of archaic languages the person would have no way of previously knowing, such as speaking Aramaic, and the secret knowledge of a person's life, particularly the exorcist which no other person would know. Another sign is the vehement aversion to God, the Blessed Mother, the saints, the crucifix and sacred images, demonstrated by blasphemous remarks or sacrilegious actions. That sounds like the last time I was in a Catholic church. <laughs> The devil also reveals his presence by acts of anger and violence and through blasphemous, sacrilegious, profane and obscene remarks. Your mother sucks cocks in hell. That sounds like me. That's how I went into a Catholic church. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a Catholic church. No, I don't think I have either, to be honest. I have once for a christening, a baptism and a bit of row in my life, so you tend right. to pop in a few. I went in a Mormon church a couple of years back and genuinely thought I was going to melt as I like walked in there. Mm. I would have been in Spain. Well, I didn't know there's something to eat it on. I've been in a couple of churches yeah, in, Spain. in Spain. They might, might have been. They would have been Catholic, yeah. Oh, there are candles yeah. you can light and that. Yeah, yeah I'd have been, I would have been to a Catholic church. It was up on top of the mountain in Menorca. Mm. An inaccessible place. I think I've been there. Proper mad little... Because mm. Menorca's so little... Yeah. It's like Isle of Wight, isn't it? But yeah, that's dead smack in the middle. This is great big mountain. And right at the top of the mountain, this old church. So I guess, yeah, that would have been Catholic. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Quite impressive. Yeah. Of course, though, they don't always give them a psychiatric examination, but it still boils down to the priest or the person's choice. If they want the exorcism in their little lucid moments, or their family does, then they can have it. And I've turned them down for it, even if they think they are psychologically disturbed or have a, a psychiatric condition, which um, poor old Annalise Nichols did. We'll blow him out. She got turned into a film. Which film was that? Uh, the Exorcism yeah. of Emily Rose. Ah, oh, right, yes. Never seen it. I've never seen The Exorcist. Hmm. Yeah, I've only seen it once, I think. It was, it's so far-fetched. <laughs> I've seen clips of it. Uh, and the meme, best bits, memes but, and yeah. other films taking the piss out of it. Yeah. 
I've never actually seen it. I think I, I've watched it twice. I've seen it a few times. And it's, I don't think it's one of them films you can just put on for a, for a, <laughs> laugh, for a laugh like, is it? It's, oh, I fancy watching The Exorcist tonight. Yeah. Like cheer Sh- me up. Schindler's List. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's in that category. Great it, film, but you, you know, you have to be in a certain mood to watch it, don't you? Yeah. I watched it not long ago. Did you? Yeah. Just trying to find shit to watch it bored. When I was at home, I, felt like, mm. I, think, I think I was on holiday or something, I can't remember. But yeah. I was just fucking bored and everyone was out and I was thinking, what can I watch that kids aren't here so I can watch whatever I want? I'd have just been straight on the laptop with porn, to be honest. <laughs> I'd already done that. No. <laughs> PlayStation, 50 inch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, size of the TV, not my member. <laughs> you say that like, just being convenient. <laughs> and they'll hang at your leg unless you're like 20 foot tall. Keep st- standing on your belly. <laughs> yeah. Ow! What's the matter with you? Nothing. I'm just trying to walk. No! Oh! Exactly. <laughs> now, the Roman ritual prescribes the rite of exorcism, containing a series of prayers, blessings, and invocations in the exorcising of the devil, which is the sacred congregation for divine worship and the disciple of the sacraments. A revised ritual uh, was done on the 26th of January 2000. How is he with the approval of Popey John Paul II? So yeah. is, there, is there a sort of strain of the church that's sort of what you can specialise in exercise? Yeah, there yeah. is, yeah. Really? Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck Genuinely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got offered a course on Facebook this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My targeted ads have moved from volunteering to fight for Ukraine to... Uh, I was getting them. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Well, probably because I spend all my time looking at podcast shit, so I end up... In the, and then this week, I'm, history, I'm, yeah. I'm getting bloody... Free course to be an ordained exorcist. Maybe you combine the two and be a military priest. <laughs> like smiting sinners. Yeah. Hmm. Casting demons out on the battlefield. Using demons as battlefield tools. <laughs> like keeping them in little grimoires. A little bit like a cross between the exorcist and Ghostbusters then. Yes! And they'd have solved this problem straight away, though. They'd just proton blast you, wouldn't they? That's where the crossover comes in, because you draw out the demon doing the exorcism, but then capture it in some kind of... Trap? What would you call it? Well, there, there is a name for them, in fact. It's a, th- oh, a fucking box. It's, it's sealed the in... The spirit box. The spirit box. It's all sealed in fucking wax and shit like that. To keep, have a belt there full a, of them, like grenades. There is another name for them. We're gonna. I tell you what. We're gonna refer to them as holy hand grenades from now on. Cool. Unholy hand. Unholy grenades. hand grenades. Because <laughs> yeah. you'd be like just popping these things into trenches, and the Russians will be getting devoured by demons. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're unleashing demons onto the world. Yeah, but I've already. How do you like the Russians? you eat the Russians? So you raise them, like, so you train them. Do deal with them. What happens if I know if I know their true names? So you'd be able to have power over them. I can control them. Yeah, but it'd be more realistic. It was like you know you're fighting the enemy, and the the captains and things are obviously possessed by demons because they can, you know, control their men and stuff. So you can cast the demons out their captains, and they lose their leadership and. You saying that the, the Russians are in fact <laughs> they are controlled by possessed. demons? <laughs> well, they control their field officers are possessed by demons. Is I that want to make it known this is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in any of this shit. It's just conjecture. But... Poo- what happens at the end scene? Like exorcise Putin? 
His head starts spinning round and shit. <laughs> Vomiting pea soup everywhere. It's better than unleashing demons on the world, isn't it? I quite like the idea of having like demons contained in little spirit casks that I can launch at people. It's a bit Pokemon, isn't it? It is exactly. Think of the demons like Pokemon. Never watch the shit. Yeah, but you're familiar with the concept. Not particularly. I'm not going to go into it then. <laughs> I would, I'd rather shit my pants and rolling it than... <laughs> well, okay. Film was good. The Pikachu film was good. Well, he's a Pokemon. Other than that... <laughs> the holy arsenal of weapons used in an exorcism include sacramental confession, the reception of holy communion, fasting and prayer, particularly saying the rosary, the use of sacramentals like blessings with holy water, the presence of a crucifix or other religious images, blessings with the relics of the saints, and the invocation of the names of Jesus, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Saint Michael, and the Holy Chainsaw. <laughs> the what? The Holy what? Chainsaw. I made that last one up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for a holy hand. I was trying to read it. <laughs> I was waiting for it's a holy hand. evil dead. He was in. Powered by holy water, man. Yeah, he was in Telford. He was in Telford this yeah. week, old Bruce. Mm. 70 quid for a photo with him, man. I know, bastard. David Tennant was 90. No way. 90 quid for a photo with David Tennant, Doctor Who. Did up at the time centre and go? Guy who, no, it's Comic Con. Oh, Comic Con, yeah. The guy who played Flash Gordon, the movie was there. I'd just Uh, like, I'd just stand in the queue and get my phone out and just be like. (laughs) Then they have people stopping you doing that. It should be all in, you've paid the ticket. No, no, these are people get their subcontractors. They're there to make money. Mm. The only reason stars go to these Comic Cons is to make money because they'll get £100 per photo and they might sell 100 of those that day. Ten fucking grand for standing around getting your picture taken. Yeah. It's disgusting. It is, isn't it? It is. I believe, I can't remember who it was now, but there was somebody that was £400. £400 for a photo taken with. That's a couple years back, a couple of years ago. And I can't. Oh no, no, it's £400 to have like a short one to one with them. It was John Barrowman, it was my friend from work, and she was obsessed with him. And she had this ticket bought to go and see John Barrowman and chat with him. And I think it was like a 10 minute chat, it was like £400 for the ticket. Are these cunts wealthy enough? Well, fucking hell, kids fucking going hungry in the country. You are right. At the same time, though, if they want to pay 400 quid to spend 10 minutes with you, fuck it, let them. You sort of said to you, can I give you 400 pounds to talk to you for 10 minutes? You'd be quite chuffed to go, yeah, right. Just put your machete Remember, my fault's a millionaire. But your fame is finite. may not last forever. Your money may not last forever. You've got to make it while you can. Mm. Same as a professional footballer. Mm. Look at Gary Glitter. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he saved all the work he had years as a musician to get out of that house in Cambodia. He had everything. Literally. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you look at, isn't yeah, it? You're, yeah. you, you've got a, a finite career. You're either there as long as your looks last or you or until you say something that people don't like and then you're gone. Might as well make the money while you can. If someone wants to pay me 400 quid for 10 minutes of my time, I'll, I'll send you my bank details. Unless you're a Nigerian prince. I have kind of had that before. When I used to sell windows. 
<laughs> like, I just believe that if you buy a ticket somewhere, it should be all in. You know, you don't. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially when you're paying seventy quid just to get in. It, yeah. Into Comic Con. It's not seventy quid to get in. Yeah, it was like no, I think it was it was either fifty nine or sixty nine pounds for a ticket to get in. One day ticket. Yeah. Lee was looking at him the other night. Oh, mad. The exorcism ritual. The exorcism ritual is repeated until the devil is cast out of the person, at which time the exorcist petitions God to never permit the devil to possess that person again. Oh, so you got... Surely because he just done that in the first place, though, couldn't he? You've got immunity for life, then. At least it comes with a lifetime guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Not many things do. No. (laughs) But is it only that particular demon that can't possess him again? Ah. And more to the point, I'd be asking God... If you can stop him possessing me, why didn't you do that in the first place? Why you can't stop him from possessing yeah. me. Yeah. What'd you put me that for? Oh, sorry, it's the plan, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. about the plan. The mysterious plan. Well, it's like bloody what's in for itself. God moves in mysterious ways, Ben. Yeah. Does, he it? can't explain it. Who is it that loses That's his son? That's the biggest son? cop out ever invented. <laughs> Who is it that sacrifices his son and loses crops and all that lot? Abraham was Abraham. told to, but he didn't do. He was like a sacrifice your son, Abraham. Okay, <laughs> you sick fuck. I was only joking. <laughs> Just at the last minute, kind of thing stopped him doing it. Test of his faith. Wasn't the one that brought like small like meteorites down onto their f- all their crops and things like that? You thinking of Sodom and Gomorrah? I don't know. How would you know if you're possessed? Because you start twisting your neck around further than it should go. I think you're going to start acting strange at first, aren't you? Just out you of the possessed. ordinary. <laughs> Not at the moment. <laughs> she pretty. So, Father Cyprian, this is an article from the bigthink.com, how to know if you're possessed in a year. Father Cipriano de Mayo, who has been an exorcist since 1952, revealed to the Italian Catholic news agency that the key to telling whether you're possessed or suffer from some other possibly mental illness, is in your reaction to the exorcist himself and the prayers being offered. He specified that the exorcist will usually say a prolonged prayer to the point where if the adversary is present, I'm guessing the adversary is the demon or or Satan himself, there's a reaction. A possessed person has various general attitudes towards an exorcist who is seen by the adversary as an enemy ready to fight him. So if you are possessed, you are likely to experience a very unsettling reaction to the exorcist's prayer. Father DeMaio described it like this. There is no lack of frightening facial expressions, threatening words or gestures and other things, but especially blasphemies against God and Our Lady. Basically, you will know something seriously wrong has taken over you. Or spent me after five pints. (laughs) It's debating a religious person. (laughs) So in the movies, it's usually, you know, eyes are rolling in the back of their heads and... and yeah, there are cases convulsion. of that. <laughs> there are cases of that. There's cases of levitation. There's marks appearing on the body, things like that. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, possessing great strength. There's quite a few accounts of speaking in tongues. There's the girl um, from the Essex... The two girls were in the bedroom. We're talking, like, 70s, early 80s. And there's like loads of footage of them getting like flown about by the Essex, the Enfield poltergeist. Enfield, not yeah, in, in the Essex. Enfield poltergeist. Yeah, yeah, that was an odd one because you, because she was, she would talk. He would talk through the girl, wouldn't he? Yeah, and they could never figure out whether she was just a naturally talented ventriloquist, hmm. or this was happening because all the pictures that were ever taken of that particular scene could just be girls jumping on the bed. 
Could be, yes. But but then there's a lot of other stuff that went on. But it's it's all about the investigators that are there, isn't it? But to tie in with this, it was the voices and been lots of like vocal coaches, doctors that said, look, if, if you were prolonged doing that voice oh yeah you are right she'd that. have really like damaged her larynx and things like yeah, that at um, the time she'd have had like terrible fucking yeah she'd have ended up having tonsillitis or something from it because she the way it wasn't the vibrations normal. going through you you know yeah not good like it's like screaming for, te- for like an hour <laughs> like, yeah just do that for a like, yeah. you know yeah it hurts a couple of seconds and it's it, so that's scratchy doesn't so it so that was a good bits of evidence to say yeah. well yeah you're right there was yeah. something I would say paranormal about that incident because I, I wouldn't Isn't say necessarily it was demonic possession. But it, no, it was definitely a poltergeist. Yeah, it clearly, was it? Well, definitely it, was a poltergeist. It, no, 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 it definitely yeah, was. If it. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's classified as a poltergeist yeah. in probably in Tobin's spirit guide, <laughs> Ghostbusters reference. I own that, <laughs> and in terms of general glossary of classifying ghosts it's a poltergeist isn't it it was moving stuff around it was a noisy ghost that's why it's German that's what it translates to but he had the ability to communicate in some way through her voice yeah it was it was an odd Very one strange. the investigator's got the best name ever actually it's Guy Lion Playfair which I think is fantastic mm-hmm. posh sounding English chap we'll do the Enfield poltergeist one day mm. that'll be a two part so that's a biggie Interesting one though, it is interesting. If you're interested in training to be an exorcist, however, Father De Meo apparently has just such a school that he's been leading for 13 years. It might be a worthwhile endeavor, for example, in 2014, the International Association of Exorcists. Oh man, I want to be a card carrier member of that. Hey, my when people, exorcists coming through. <laughs> they indicated there was a rise in a court activity they deemed a pastoral emergency. <laughs> See, I'd be, I'd be in this all the shops I would if I had one of them ID cards. So do you take my exorcist card? Yeah, well, I mean, like, do I get discount, like, you know, yeah. for being an exorcist? Exorcist <laughs> discount? I am protecting the earth from demons. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. When you're in the forces, you get forces discount. Yeah. So I'm in God's army, mate. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. Pastoral emergency, really? Yeah, a pastoral emergency. What should you do to stop avoid getting possessed? Well, you can stop believing in religion, for a start. Yeah. You don't see atheists getting possessed, do you? No. No, you don't. In terms of your people... I've not seen many people get possessed. <laughs> 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 you? you need to get out more, mate. You, know? you get yourself down Dorley High Street on a Saturday night and they're kicking out time from the pubs. That's that fucking zombie drug thing, innit? it? That fucking possession. They're just fucked. Spice. Spice, they're all fucked on spice. <laughs> Licking lampposts and shit. Obviously, that's a joke. I don't think the people of Dorley are possessed. But they are fucked on spice. No. No, there's none of that. <laughs> right, they're just messed up. Just right? drunk. <laughs> on spice. There's nothing wrong with that. You should start with prayer. Obviously, because that's what the church wants you to do, isn't it? Oh, I just remember. Turn up to church, pray, and give us some money. It's also important to avoid anything to do with Satan, conjuring the dead, or revealing future events. Well, that's my Saturday night girl. Oh, I'll, keep, I'll keep that one in mind. Well, that's my Saturday night over with. And you've got to lead a good and sinless life. Oh, well, that's me definitely. Oh, we're all fucked, really. <laughs> yeah. 
We've all sinned. There's only that people bl- haven't sinned. There's only that blind nun in Argentina. Yeah. There's over 600 commandments, mate, so, you know. Anybody that had sex before marriage sinned. Done. That's it. Because they just that blind nun in Argentina. Yeah. And she's too busy going over the Falklands this week. <laughs> Coveting thy neighbour's ass. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done that. <laughs> Catechism states that consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. I didn't want to bring the dead back to life. <laughs> I don't know, don't get your palm read. <laughs> or do get your palm read, I don't know, shit, sounds real. So, mate, all of that... It leads... Yeah, if you do all that, it leads you open to possession. But anybody that does that... Probably won't believe in God anyway, will they? Well, no, not necessarily. You'll find they have protection... They cast protection over it anyway. Like, Laura would do that. She, like, as... I see she what you... opens and closes things like... I see, I see exactly what you're saying. If you're a Wiccan, but you, then you don't believe in this. No. So it's, it just cancels it out. But there's a lot of things connected in lots of different ways, isn't there? But it's like, Laura deals with spirits, so she has to protect herself from potential knob spirits that might want to come in and be knobbish. If you knob believe... <laughs> if you believe all of that, then yeah. But she protects herself and she'll like close down... When she's opened herself up to it, Afterwards, she'll close herself down so she's not letting in things without her knowledge. Kind Always of shut down. Whether it be a laptop or your spiritual self. Exactly. But yes, yeah, so there is. So you'd thought any of these clairvoyants, etc., already know that they'd be doing that anyway. So don't worry. What if you see a clairvoyant? You're not going to get possessed if you do. What if you're a clairvoyant who's not very good? They're not on about the clairvoyant getting possessed, they're on about you getting possessed. Yes, but they protect you. That's what I'm saying. They, uh, they don't just protect themselves, uh, they no, protect no, no. you as well. No, this is a different thing. I see where you're coming from. I get it. So they're protecting you in the spirit world. In that time, what they're but doing, they are that, protecting you. You, go, you going to see that, and then you go, oh, well, maybe I'll get my tarot cards done. And then you start reading about the occult, and before you know it, you're worshipping Satan and leaving yourself open to possession. It's the start of a slippery slope, yeah. just like marijuana. Don't I, was do say, I was about to say, <laughs> just like smoking weed. Yeah, you'll be a smackhead next week if you yeah. have that split. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. So let's go to the harrowing exorcism of Roland Doe, which is the true story behind the exorcist. This was a boy, not a girl, wasn't it? Yeah, they changed it. And according to that priest, they changed a lot, which I'd imagine they would. Yeah. So in 1949, priests performed an exorcism on a boy referred to as Roland Doe, a.k.a. Ronald Hunkler, in a chilling ordeal that became the real-life inspiration for The Exorcist. The uh, picturesque Belle Noir neighbourhood of St. Louis, Missouri, sits a beautiful colonial-style house on Roanoke Drive. It was once the home of a boy called Roland Doe, a.k.a. Robbie Mannheim, or Roland Hunkler. Looks normal on the outside, it's all bricks, got white shutters, looks lovely, fantastic. It's a typical American colonial house. Yep. Gotta love it. 
Uh, his story begins in the late 1940s in suburban Washington DC with a German-American family. The 13-year-old boy, believed to be named Ronald Hunkler, was despondent over the loss of his beloved Aunt Harriet, and she was a spiritualist who taught him many things, including how to use a Ouija board. Oh, there we go. Mistake number one. It's the devil's portal. Yeah. Or is it? the dark arts, isn't he? Or is it? I think only if you've got issues and you really believe... In early January 1949, shortly after Harriet's death, after playing with the Ouija board, Ronald began to experience strange things. He heard scratching sounds coming from the floors and walls of his room. Water dripped in inexplicably in oh God, inexplicably, inexplicably from pipes and walls. And most troubling of all, was his mattress had suddenly moved. I'd say that's quite troubling. Mm-hmm. Big bed bugs. <laughs> Oh, rats. Lots of rats. Yeah. <laughs> I sleep on a bed of rats, don't you? That's the only way to sleep. <laughs> Disturbed, Ronald's family sought the help of every expert they knew. They consorted doctors, psychiatrists and their local Lutheran minister, but they were no help. And the minister suggested the family seek the assistance of the Jesuits. They're a bit like, they're the guys who do the exorcism. Are they like the... I'm going to... Well, what's that film with Tom Jesuits, that's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus Wits, basically. The Da Vinci Code. Is he like that guy with the white hair that... F- Beats himself. Yeah. No, but they are like that a sect of Catholicism that's got... Yeah. I don't know if the Jesuits do that. I know they like to do the exorcisms. I don't think any really uh, members of the church tend to do the flogging thing nowadays unless they're ultimately fanatical. Then again, there's always a few in there. There's them Filipino guys who get crucified and whipped. Oh, there? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a fun Saturday night. <laughs> Easter, right, in the Philippines, they reenact the crucifixion. They don't actually kill someone, but they tie a bloke to the cross and the other people will be whipping themselves and they stuff, yeah. disembowel him and, no, no, and spread no. their entrails all over the floor. Oh. And then bathe in it. No, yeah. no. Oh, it's not good enough, is it? It's not. Now, Father E. Albert Hughes, the local Catholic priest, asked his superior's permission to perform an exorcism on the boy in late February 1949, and the church granted his request. For the exorcism, Hughes strapped the boy to the mattress, well, he wouldn't be the first Catholic to do that, and began his recitations. But he had to stop the rite when Ronald broke off a piece of mattress spring and slashed the priest across the shoulders, leaving the exorcism unfinished. A few days later, red scratches appeared on the boy. One of the scratches formed the word Lewis, which indicated to Ronald's mother the family needed to go to St. Louis, where they had relatives, to find a way to save their son. Could be a trap. Could be. <laughs> now, a cousin of the family was attending St. Louis University at the time of Ronald's struggles, and she put the Hunkalars in touch with Father Walter H. Halloran and Reverend William Bowden. After consulting with the university's president, these two Jesuits agreed to perform an exorcism on young Ronald with the help of several assistants. They gathered at the residence on Roanoke Drive in the early March of 1949, and there the exorcist witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. And these are the same types of things that happened in Maryland when the first exorcism failed. Amid these bizarre happenings, however, Bowden and Halloran 
noticed a pattern in Ronald's behaviour. He was calm and normal during the day, but at night, after settling in for bed, he would exhibit strange behaviour, including screaming and wild outbursts. Nightmare. Night terrors. I was thinking night terrors. He would also enter a trance-like state and start making sounds in a guttural voice. The priests also said they saw objects mysteriously flying in the boy's presence and noted he would react violently when he saw any sacred object presented by the attending Jesuit priests. Mm. At one point during the weeks-long ordeal, Bowden reportedly saw an X appearing scratches on Ronald's chest which the priest believed signified the number 10. In another instant, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked down towards his ankle. These type of things happened every night for more than a month. Once the red X appeared on Ronald's chest, that led the priest to believe he was possessed by 10 demons. Oh, fucking hell. You do find that's the case. They do seem to come in multiples. Demons like buses, you wait ages for one, and then shitload show up at once. (laughs) The two priests never gave up as they continued the exorcism night after night, and on the evening of March 20th, it reached a healthy new level. Ronald urinated all over his bed and began shouting and cursing at the priests. Now Ronald's parents had had enough and they took him to the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatment. Finally, on April 18th, a miracle, in quotes, occurred in Ronald's room at Alexian Brothers. It was the Monday after Easter, and Ronald awoke with seizures. He yelled at the priest, saying Satan would always be with him. Uh, Metal! Then he could get a guitar, so I'd shred it. (laughs) And the priest laid holy relics, crucifixes, medals, and roses on the boy. At 10.45pm that evening, the attending priest called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Ronald's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Ronald's soul. And seven minutes later, Ronald came out of his trance and said, He's gone. (laughs) The boy recounted how he had a vision that St. Michael vanquished Satan on a great battlefield. That is pretty metal, though, isn't it? I'd watch that. (laughs) Why wasn't that in the fucking film? According to Bowden Halloran, the strange occurrences and behaviour ceased after that. And he went on to live a completely normal life from that moment forwards. Mm. But no one would have known about it if it wasn't for The Exorcist. 1971, William Peter Blatty penned the best-selling novel based on the unofficial diaries kept by Halloran and Bowden. Stayed on the bestseller list for 54 weeks and spawned the hit movie in 1973. And then got banned from most cinemas. <laughs> yeah. That backwards crab walk is a bit freaky. Although the scratches, shouting, spitting and cursing in the movie mimicked what Ronald had experienced, the boy's head never turned 360 degrees and he never vomited green matter during his many transoms and nor did he use a bloody crucifix to masturbate. <laughs> I should hope not, he's a dude. Put up his arse. That's rule, yeah. Yeah, that was just a bit of artistic licence. I guess so. Sick fucker. Crucifix masturbation thing. She's a thirteen-year-old girl. I've always thought that was a bit, and that was one of the main reasons why it was banned. Yeah, Yeah, probably. And because still, in the late sixties, it was still quite a religious. Everywhere still believed in religion, didn't they? They did a lot more than they do forty, fifty years on. 
Yes, and America's always been a fairly religious country, hasn't it? I remember my mum saying when she went to the cinema to watch it, there was priests stood outside the cinema trying his hardest to stop people going in to watch it. I've heard that happened, mm. yeah. But the days before multi-screen, so it was like one screen, one cinema, yeah. you went there and there was a priest outside saying, no, no, don't go in! But why not? It backs up their story, and it yeah. shows... Because if you watch it, then you start getting interested in doing Ouija boards, and before you know it, Mike, everyone's possessed by demons. Ah. It's that slippery... It's say no, isn't it? It's a gateway. It's a gateway drug. You get interested in this stuff. <laughs> before you know it, you, you can dabble in a Ouija board just trying to summon Satan. You read the collected works of Alistair Crowley and start doing the Moonchild ritual, trying to give birth to the fucking Antichrist with the Whore of Babylon. <laughs> Sounds pretty fun to me, though. Let's do that shit. <laughs> All right, the next one, I found this one from Britain. And I have heard of this one before. It's an interesting one. The Exorcism of Michael Taylor. Michael Taylor, 31 years old, father to five children and husband to Christine Taylor. It was 1974 and Michael was living what appeared to be an idyllic life. They lived in a small home in Osset, West Yorkshire, and neighbours described Michael as mild-mannered and generally kind. Occasionally Michael would suffer from depressive episodes, he would become withdrawn and refuse to interact with family and friends. Family would later say a back injury earlier in life which caused issues in Michael finding full-time employment was to blame. Nevertheless, by all accounts, he was a caring father and husband. And though they weren't devout, they lived a few miles from multiple churches, but never really found the time to attend. Although in a highly religious town like Osset, this behaviour just wouldn't stand. Fucking hell. Well, I suppose it's like, which church you go to? Why aren't you a church? Oh, they don't go to church. Heathens? Heathens in Osset? Never thought I'd see day. <laughs> a friend of Michael's, who had decided his depression was caused by spiritual forces, convinced him to start attending a weekly prayer meeting. This was run by one Marie Robinson, a very attractive 25-year-old. Her soft-spoken form of old-time religion seemed to appeal to Michael, at least so that's what everyone thought in the beginning. They did go on to spend a lot of time together. Read into that what you will. <laughs> at first he just threw himself into the prayer group, going to every meeting and all functions, and he quickly fell deeper into Marie's teachings attending meetings where group members were exercised and demons were cast out with what they called the power of God. And yes, I will say it, they were fucking. At least for a bit. On off. Marie the devil! <laughs> She's uh, an attractive 25-year-old and he's a 31-year-old who's depressed with a bad back. Mm. It's a tale of the ages. Not that bad. <laughs> Not that bad, clearly. <laughs> she began offering private meetings to Michael. During these meetings, Mike and Marie would sit across from each other and make the sign of the cross over and over, sometimes for eight plus hours. Oh, fuck yeah. They believed doing this would nullify the evil power of the full oh, moon. And it was clear that Mike had fallen head over heels in love with Marie and this was the problem. He was in love with her. It was just a bit of fun for her. His time away at church and private prayer meetings were starting to be noticed in his home life and when he wasn't around Marie, he became withdrawn, slipping into deep depression he would become sullen and argumentative and would lash out at his family. Christine had a suspicion the prayer group wasn't doing Michael any favours <laughs> and nor were his private Maurice's Marie, which may have been less than pious. Mm. During the next prayer meeting they attended, Christine openly confronted Michael about his time with Marie. Something inside of Michael Taylor broke. 
He stood up and instead of addressing his wife, he began to attack Marie, both verbally and physically. And he was still shouting at her in tongues when the rest of the congregation restrained him. Later, Marie would have this to say. I suddenly glanced at Mike and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. He kept looking at me and there was a really wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. Mike also screamed at me in tongues. I was on the verge of death and I seemed to come to my senses. I knew only the name of Jesus would save me. And I just started saying over and over again, Jesus, Jesus Christ, stop strangling me, Michael. <laughs> when Christine heard me calling on the name of Jesus, she started saying it too. And I firmly believed that I was only by calling on his name that I was not killed. Michael claiming he had no memory of this happening at the next meeting, he would go on to receive full absolution from Marie, so she forgives him, which is nice of her, although I still think he's might know exactly what he was fucking doing. <laughs> to be honest, still his outburst had not gone unrecognised. People were talking and none of it was good. A local vicar called on a group of ministers and declared that Michael was currently suffering from a demonic possession and would need an exorcism. Any thoughts on that? Uh, just well, of course it is a local vicar. Mm. What he's going to say, isn't it? Why don't they go to a mental health professionalist? Yeah. <laughs> I think they might have got a different diagnosis. So do I. <laughs> on October 5th, 1974, Father Peter Vincent and Reverend Raymond Smith met Michael at the St. Thomas Church in Gauber. Gauber? It's in Yorkshire. I'm probably going to be killed by the fucking ghost of Sean Bean now for saying something in Yorkshire wrong. He's not dead, is he? <laughs> he can project himself like <laughs> Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Every time you say something like a Yorkshire name wrong, he just turns up, screams, you bastard, yeah. and <laughs> punches you in the face. <laughs> bastard. <Yorkshire>! Exactly. <laughs> the prayer group was also in attendance, and over the next eight hours, they would perform the sacred rite of exorcism. Michael began thrashing, convulsing and spitting and had to be tied to the floor of the church. Why does the church have things for people to be tied to set on the floor? <laughs> Not dodgy at all. No. A crucifix was jammed into his mouth and he was completely soaked with holy water. By 8am on October 6th, the priests couldn't continue. They were exhausted. They were exhausted because it wasn't holy water. It was holy jizz. <laughs> <laughs> and by their admission, they had cast out more than 40 demons from Michael. <laughs> the priest said the exorcism would have to be finished at a later date and advised Michael not to worry. They had only left but three demons to be exorcised. Murder, madness and violence. Well, aren't those the first three you should get rid of? <laughs> Just a bit. Fucking hell, you know, the mischief and the... And the speaking in tongues, leave yeah. that in! Murder, madness and violence, look at them the fuck out straight away, first one's at the door! They're the hardest ones though, they've got to leave them to well, last. Don't just send him home then! Because <laughs> this, this tale goes horrible in a second! Oh dear. Well of course, they've left murder, madness <laughs> and violence, what did you expect? <laughs> Michael and Christine were told to go home and prepare for part two of the exorcism at 9.45 in the morning, so only an hour and 45 minutes after the exorcism, police patrolling the area where the tailors lived discovered a gruesome sight, a man shambling through the streets completely naked and covered in blood. It was, of course, no other than Michael Taylor. The officer that had found Taylor rushed to his home only to find more police officers already there. 
Neighbours had heard noises and the police were called. The officer approached the house that was waved off by an exiting criminal inspector. Quote, You don't want to see this one, son. I've seen nothing like it before and I've seen a few. It's the wife. She's got no... He's ripped out, son. It's a right mess in there. There's not much of her left and you don't want to see it, eh? After saying this, he then doubled over and vomited in the yard. Upon entering the house, officers were met with what some would call the worst crime scene they've ever worked. Michael had brutally attacked Christine, removing her eyes and tongue before ripping her face off her skull. Oh, fucking hell. He then strangled the family dog. Oh, Jesus. I know. After the dog was dead, he ripped out its eyes and tore it limb from limb, throwing them around the house. The house was covered wall to ceiling in blood. Michael, who was at the time receiving care in a nearby hospital, was arrested. He never provided a motive for killing Christine beyond. Released. I am released. It is done. The evil in her has been destroyed. So what happened? Was Michael Taylor possessed? The defence didn't think so. He laid blame squarely at the feet of the prayer group and the priests who did the exorcism. He stated the group exacerbated an already cracking mind. He cast doubt on the possession theory by calling it, quote, neurotics feeding neuroses to a neurotic, <laughs> end quote. Sounds about right. At a trial, Michael was acquitted by reason of insanity, and he received psychiatric care for four years before being released back into what? the public. He could be living next door to you right now. Fucking hell. Four years? Are you sure he's cured? <laughs> So says the British justice system, Mike, in what would it be, what, 1979? Mm. Still, the question begs to differ. The question begs. Why are you sending a man home who has murder, madness and violence demons still in his body? Because <laughs> he's tired. Well, just leave him tied to the floor yeah. and give him some water if you believe in that to send him home. Knowingly, with those three demons in him, negligence is what is, is professional negligence on the part of the priests, yeah. and just damn silly. <laughs> if I was Christina, I'd have been like, I'm not waiting for any sequel. <laughs> That's it. Oh, what three demons have you got left? Murder, madness, and violence. Yeah, this is the man I want to spend my time with. I've just seen him attack the prayer woman who was shagging behind me back. I'd have left him tied to the bloody church floor till we could have, well, they could have done something about it. It's untreated mental illness, isn't it? It's yeah. untreated mental illness, which it's is exacerbated by the bullshit of... Yeah. By that, and yes. the fact that he fell head over heels in love with younger, more attractive Marie, and when she said, look, it's over, it just broke him, and he was already a man who was depressed. Mm. That was the only spark in his life, and then he's being fed all this... This crap about the prayer group and religion and all that, and it's just sending him mad. It's just driving him insane. It's making him more neurotic. But it's a tragic tale. Yeah. And this is a, a danger, I think, a warning. Cool. Imagine this, the, the five kids as well. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is a warning. People can get too much into it. Just the kids weren't there, I guess. Yeah. They must have been yeah. at school. Or, you know, why, why are we going to stop at Nanny's, Mummy? Daddy's getting exercise today, sweetie. <laughs> Madness. Okay, so we're going to end this segment of the show. We'll end on some fucked up facts. Right, we'll get so. into some more stories next time. We will. We'll do some more next week. So let's end the show on some fucked up facts. Can we have the theme tune, please? Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. 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 facts.
Facts. Snowboarding Facts. was invented in 1965. Was it? Yep. By a dad who tied a pair of skis together in order to entertain his very lively children. He called it snurfing. Yeah. Snow surfing? Yeah. That's not a bad name. I quite so I prefer it to snowboarding. Together. Yeah, me too. Snow yeah, snurfing. Yeah. I thought he'd have oh, like ripped the boots off the skis yeah. and stuck it to a you know, a board of some sort. Not to be confused with smurfing. That's where you go to shotgun killing smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought smurfing was a sexual act. I was, thinking, I was thinking it was going to be a sexual act, to be honest. It sounds like it should be. Is that you hold your breath and your face goes blue and then sort of... <laughs> and then you give a knob face or something. Severed heads. <laughs> Do not use severed heads to fill a cob job machine. <laughs> Apparently, wearing socks increases your chance of reaching orgasm during sex. Really? Oh, no. Never worn socks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need anything to help increase my chance of an orgasm whilst having sex. Well, I'm a man. Finger up the arse is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your socks on at the same time? <laughs> okay, Michael. I don't even wear socks for any point of any sexual activity. Even I'm alone, I don't wear socks. So you have a wank, you have to take... You do wank into socks. Well, it's the same what are you going to catch it in? The tissue. What did you say? You take your socks off to have a wank? Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. When you talk about something, you can't but help <laughs> to picture what you're fucking talking about. Like, listeners, if I say to you, Blue Dragon, you've just seen a Blue Dragon in your head. If I say fucking... Pink flamingo, you see a pink flamingo. Power oh. mind. He's just simply masturbating in his mind. Oh, oh. stop saying it. <laughs> as well as couples in love, St. Valentine is the patron saint of epilepsy, fainting, plague, beekeepers and greeting card manufacturers. <laughs> I was going to say murdered mobsters too. <laughs> Greeting card manufacturers. Well, he certainly is nowadays. Plague's interesting though. What else was there? Beekeepers. Yeah. Epilepsy, fainting. Epilepsy is an interesting one. Why has it got to be a patron saint of epilepsy? <laughs> That's exactly what I was wondering. I was thinking, yeah. We'll have to let Jamie know. Yeah. yeah. You've got a patron saint all of your own. All right. Brazil could not afford to send the teams to the 1932 Olympics, so they sent the athletes on a ship full of coffee. The athletes sold the coffee along the way to fund their journey. Ah. Always. What a very intuitive way of doing it. I would imagine when the owner of the coffee found out his ship docked in wherever the Olympics were, with no coffee on board. They'd been nicked by a bunch of Brazilian <laughs> pirates that then turned out to be athletes. <laughs> I thought they were fucking quick. <laughs> Bastards. I'm walking off shit I was chasing that. He had the bloody boat keys and everything. I was chasing him as fast as I could. He had one leg and I still couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shift on that big leg. <laughs> Didn't have the Special Olympics back then. The Special Olympics. It's called the Paralympics, <laughs> my dear. 
the Special Olympics. I think Olympics. it used to be called well, that, but yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, on South Park it was called the Special <laughs> Olympics. I, think, I don't think it's ever been called the Special Olympics. It may have been at I'm some point. I'm sure it's always been the Paralympics. I'm thinking the 50s or 60s or something. <laughs> You're a terrible person, you Claire. <laughs> You're a terrible person. Oh, he's just special. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. The IKEA effect is a cognitive bias where you tend to overvalue things you constructed yourself. <laughs> uh, I kind of get. I could see that. I the first image that. is Homer Simpson. Has definitely got that. <laughs> yeah. Everything he built is shit. <laughs> he thinks it's great. I went to make like a seat out of an old bed frame and you could like put your shoes underneath it as well and it had wheels, got casters on the bottom as well. That was with a mint. I, I, don't, made it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever made anything. Well, I built furniture. So I, I, I built, built IKEA furniture. I built flatback furniture, yeah. I, I, I built a rabbit pen, like, a, like an outdoor run for my rabbit and some geezer bought it off me for 60 quid. I think it only cost me about thirty quid. That for makes you stuff a to make it. That makes you a carpenter, sir. I know. I taste though, but so, but I, I guess I kind of valued it higher than it's worth because I was like, yeah, I made that. It's only worth thirty quid in material. Hour or two of making it, I suppose you could call it fifty quid. Hmm. I sold it for sixty. So you underestimated your value. You didn't overestimate. You're I suppose opposite. I got it, didn't I? You're so, the opposite yeah. to the IKEA effect. It's what might the B&M bargains effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Poundland effect. <laughs> what, what would that be in, I don't know, the $2 store or something in America, would it's that be? The 99 cent store? The 99 cent store, yeah. I've got the Jesus effect. Because he was humble and he was a carpenter. Ah. Mm. Does that mean the peach Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I am. There we go. Another revelation for the night. The Peter second coming. I am Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Not after last week with Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I'm New Age Jesus. <laughs> what violent Jesus? <laughs> no, I'm not violent. You've watched Your South Park. Jesus. Have you not watched South Park? Yeah. Have you not seen the how the second coming of Jesus actually is? Fucking walks around with a bastard fucking M16 shooting up shit and that, doesn't he? <laughs> when he goes and rescues Santa Claus. Oh, yes. Well, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, they've obviously they've got me nailed. You know what I mean? <laughs> they've got me down to the T. You were just going back in time to kill people with an AK-47. Let's not dress us up as divine. Just so they res <laughs> respected my authority. <laughs> <laughs> Your divine authority. <laughs> Well, someone get in touch with the church. Any more? Yeah, on average, silver medalists live a year longer than gold medalists. Because they only ever come second. They're not going to die first either. I won't die maybe. first, I'll die, die second. Maybe getting the medal determines the order in which you die. Do we know if bronze medal people die third? Or... We need a longitudinal study about this. We do! Or is there something in the fact that gold has something in it that decreases your life. Are you wearing any gold right now? Nope. Are you ever wearing any gold? Silver's yeah. got, got medical property, doesn't it? So it's copper? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah copper is copper. Yeah, it's copper. So you're thinking because they wear 
close to her skin, it's yeah. maybe an extra year alive. Yeah. Or maybe. Mm. Maybe. Maybe because the person that won gold exerts that, yeah. that tiny little bit more of their yeah. humanly ability. <laughs> they train a little bit harder. They might take a few more years of their life. That's it. I think they just yeah, train injuries. Arts and shit like that. Just, they could have it a little bit sooner. Who knows? We, they could have an underliner's heart problem. Well, they reckon your heart, only, as a shelf life, it only has a certain amount of beats. I've heard that before. Now. So that, know, would, does that would kind of play true to that theory because if you're working that little bit harder, your heart is beating a couple more times a minute harder. So over 70 years, you might well have wasted an extra year off your life. Just I'm fuck me, I should live to 300. <laughs> My heart rate never rises. <laughs> Sweet. I'm going for the metal curse. If you gold, you die first. Silver die second, bronze die third. So it's better Metal to, curse. So it's better to come third than first then. Yeah. If you want to live. Depends, <laughs> depends what position you are in the game. Just sounds be. like fucking fixing to me. Or whether you come first or third just depends on what turn you are in the gangbang. That's your your <laughs> form of athletics of choice then. Fair enough. How many? <laughs> of each? <laughs> I personally love this next fact. Okay. On the 14th of February, 1784, there was a wedding in Derby where the couple had between them seven thumbs. <laughs> what? The bride had three and the groom had four. Never. <laughs> are you suggesting that you take him particular glee in this, Mike, because this is in the beautiful British town of Derby? Derby. 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 <laughs> I just spit every time you say the word Derby. Did they move, did they move from Brosley? <laughs> Are they like Fulham's like number one enemy or something? Nottingham Forest, yeah. isn't it? Mike's an Iron Forest fan, Forest their rivals are Derby. Who's it likes the Fulham? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody likes Fulham. Not since they put that statue of Michael Jackson inside the ground. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it's an awful it statue. Is. It's terrible. It looks nothing like him. I'm surprised it hasn't been defaced. It's coloured. It's it's colour. It's a colour statue. Probably because it looks nothing like him. People <laughs> don't realise it's Michael yeah. Jackson. They think it's some weird white guy with a funny nose. Mm. Holding his crotch. Come on. It's ironic that whether he was black or white really mattered a lot to him. What's what's that like? like? So, anyways, so they got married on Valentine's Day as well, fourteenth of February. And they said a seven-thumbed couple. Hey, me wonder how many thumbs the kids had. Forty-nine. Do you get increased per kid? Or? I was just going with like the square root of seven. So they're all movable. They can move them. They'd have to have extra ligaments and all sorts. What, they? what was the year again? 1784. Yeah, wow, that's, a, that's quite late for physical deformity like that. There's some serious inbreeding going well, on in Derby. Say, yeah, of course. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> they were probably cousins. Or both sheep. Or one was both half sheep. They do love shagging sheep. And so I hear. NASA employs a panel of sniffers who smell absolutely everything that's sent to the International Space Station. Why? <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't say. 
Well, that's frustrating. <laughs> well, I'll know on the submarine, you do everything with as least odour as possible because obviously the air is recirculated and reventilated mm. and it's reused. So obviously as it goes through filters, odour does have some form of physical yeah-ness. So I'd imagine because of the reuse of the oxygen up there, it's probably something to do with that. So what if someone takes a banging shit? Oh, you smell it. I, everyone smells it. At the bottom of the ship. You can smell it. Because the odour is sort of like grabbing onto the moisture in the air, isn't it? Yeah. In really small sort of, you know, particles. But the way, it's, it? the, way the air is redistributed, it could have something to do with that, maybe. Captain gets a waft of the, <laughs> <laughs> the aft shat. To be fair, on my old submarine, it would have been the captain farting right next to an air duct and be like that. And he'd probably make an announcement say, Right, chaps. You can all smell a bit of my own guff. That's what he was like, honestly. He was funny should, as fuck. Should have had a mutiny again or sniffing on this cunt's farts? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was terrible, he was. For six months, mutiny! He was terrible in the best of ways. Yeah, you, you could proper have, banter. You could have taken the sub, sailed to Cuba and fucking threatened it into becoming your own personal island. I sat playing cards with him, getting drunk. Him and the EXO. Why are they all so posh? Because they all go to bloody Sandhursts and you generally you're born in the upper class yeah you're usually the second son who's got nothing going on so i could have never ever i could have never ever been captain clan you could have been you could have been you'd have to work like, really really hard so like my brother mm -hmm. he went for a way to the private <laughs> my brother went to the private and got commissioned three years ago so it does happen so he's a captain in the army now he'll probably finish off a major <laughs> if he's lucky. Is that how he gets to major? He'll probably finish his time in the army he's as a major. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, so it can happen. It does happen. This is the way you said it. So I know, just... as soon as I said it, I realised that, that's how I said it. <laughs> Things that's from private, that's pretty decent. Mate, he, he's done his 22 years. <coughs> and some now. He joined at 18... Well, he's 70, 17 and a half, I think he might have joined. And yeah, he's 43. He might get a desk promotion. He's done 25 and a bit years now. Yeah. But yeah, so... And yeah, he'd done his 22 years, and that was... He was warrant officer, which is the highest rank you become Without as a non-commissioned officer, yeah. officer. And it came to his time of 22 years were up. And they offered him the position to go to Washington... Whilst he was in Washington, he got commissioned. Sweet. Become oh. a captain. Oh, so he skipped lieutenant? Yep. He could have been a British secret agent in World War One. Yeah. Yeah. Because Captain Sir Mansfield Cumming suggested British secret agents use semen as invisible ink. <laughs> and he was you know what, though? What a fucking genius thought. <laughs> Because, yeah, it shows up in blacklight, doesn't it? But you can't really and see it to the naked eye. Back then? It was just about inventing. I don't know if I want to jizz into an ink bottle and use a quill or a fountain pen. Oh, what year oh. are we on? First World War. Yeah, 1914. Yeah, I can't see if I'm black that many blacklight. Mm, was blacklight a thing? Probably not, I don't know. 
I wouldn't have thought it would have been a thing, would it, then? Definitely didn't have the UV one, did they? Maybe if you hold up to the light, you can see it. I don't know, I've never spunked in an inkwell. And or maybe it's... Written a letter with, with it. Maybe it's supposed to do with, like, adding heat to it. You almost cook the jizz. It burns a hole in it. I'm thinking logically... Tell me. I'm just thinking you order up to the light and it's a, it makes the paper yeah. wet, paper, doesn't it? Paper look a little bit yeah, transparent. Yeah, it's dry. Yeah, but I've never... 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 I've Spunky love notes. <laughs> I will bring you. We'll bring you our handwritten letters in our with our spunk ink. You can hold yours at the window methods. and set it on fire, and I'll hold it to the light, and we'll see who wins. I don't mean set it on fire. You could like introduce heat to it to like slowly like. It's paper. It's gonna burn. <laughs> I was only guessing that was just what was going through my head. And if you're suggesting you hold it back when you're showing us the light, like I am. I don't know what I was thinking, alright. <laughs> I was just going with the thought that came into my head, well, and I was just wondering. Just going with it. Well, accept the challenge, write the note. I ain't writing a jizz note. Ben wants a jizzy love note. I don't want a jizzy love note. This is science, Mike. Well, that's This is science, testing a theory, experimenting, and providing analysis. Well, you're at home alone, pretty much, Not in, in that sense. You've got your own room and shit all week. Do two experiments, yeah? Write <laughs> two notes. We'll burn one and just hold one against the light. All right. That's really weird news. Yeah. Yeah, we'll film it and everything. All right. Will we? Do you want the footage of me doing it as well? Well... Behind the scenes extras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only only for our Patreon listeners. <laughs> Deleted scenes available. Pete fluffing bear. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I don't like where this tangent's gone. <laughs> I don't really enjoy, I'm not really enjoying this. He's got, he's got big hands, it won't feel right. <laughs> you never said that when Gabby Logan had her hands around you. Yeah, but that's Gabby. <laughs> okay, I'll finish on this one. Oh, yeah. The 2000 Olympics organisers ordered 50,000 condoms. Of course they do, everyone fucks at the Olympics. But the Olympic Village still ran out halfway through the games, you had to place an emergency order for 20,000 extra. Yeah. All the Olympians fucking each other. Yeah, all the Olympians fuck like crazy at the Olympics. There's lots of very fit people all together. That's a bunch of ripped people all together, they go like, hey. They want to train and fuck. And they're in, you know, sort of the big. Complexes, like hotels, aren't they? Not the Olympic Village. Yeah, yeah. I suppose once, imagine what you do once your event is over. You'd be like, piss up. Yeah. So I, I, once you're out. It's obviously a knocking chop, isn't it? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Good on him. I knew I should have gone into the Olympics. <laughs> I wish I'd have been an Olympic athlete. I still time. I could do like fucking archery or something. You could do shooting. Yeah, do archery or something Pistol like shooting, because that's an Olympic sport now. Make sure I keep trim, you know. Yeah, you're going to keep trim to fucking hold a revolver, mate. No, I mean like for when I get to the Olympics. So I oh, can, right. So I can like, pull a half-decent, shall we, like non-shot put fucking thrower. <laughs> <laughs> now she has to be shredded. <laughs> yeah, she fucking shred me. <laughs> Why don't we all 
former UK curling team and joining into the Olympics. What, an English? An English an curling, English curling team. team. Not, We've already got one. We haven't. They're all fucking Scottish. The Team GB, aren't team they? Team GB, they're all Scottish. We'll be, we'll be the Republic of Doristan. I'm not being the scrubber. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. I'll be the thrower. Mike's a thrower, he can bowl. Two bowling, me and Peter Scrubbers. Oh, I'm pretty good at bowling. Well, we're taking turns then. We'll, I'll have a, a curl off and see who's the best. <laughs> Don't curl one out right now. If he didn't, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm like, shitty though. <laughs> that bomb shit. <laughs> I'm Ben, thanks for listening. Don't do the favourite, don't do a call. And follow us on Facebook at Cut the Ball in the Post with Apocalypse. At SoundCloud, we're available on that. Cut the Ball in the PTA and most other places you can find a podcast on, on with that name. YouTube, uh, YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. Uh, give us a like, a listen, a subscribe. Leave a comment. Leave a nice comment. Can't be arsed trolling. You. <laughs> I've been Mike, thanks for listening. Peace out, may the force be with you. I'll be careful, keep an open mind, but not so open that it dribbles out your ears. I've been Pete, been a pleasure. Aim low, shoot high.